This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Pride of West London podcast. And this weekend, we have the Pride of West London going to the other side of West London for the big West London derby. Brentford playing Fulham, Craven Cottage, a match that we've been waiting for for years. Lots of very, very, very excited Brentford fans are getting ready for this one. So we thought we'd get together in the studio just to talk about a few bits and pieces. There's lots of us today. I'm stuck on my own up in North London. And you've got another crew in leafy Richmond. Myself, Billy Grant. You've got Dave Lane. How are you doing, Dave? I'm good, mate. Yeah, really looking forward to uh, Friday's game. Um, you know, I, I think Fulham fans are going to they're going to go, oh, it's your cup final. You're looking forward to it. But, you know, who, who can not fail to look forward to doing the double over your local rivals? You know, and uh, we, we're going to go there and we're going to win. So, yeah, looking forward to it, mate. Okay, that's all good. And then you're in the house with Mr. Nick Carthew, who's who's rented you a bit of space for a few hours, hasn't he? Yeah, I'll I'll be sending the bill to Besotted uh, later on. Uh, you know, the multi-million enterprise that Besotted is, I'm sure you can afford a couple of quid to chuck my way. Really looking forward to Fulham, uh, and I'll put it in the pot for the pub after. Excellent, Mr. Mr. Matt Allard has also joined you as well. So uh, there's, there's more of you. I mean, have you got enough space in your house there? Yeah, we got just we can just about get round it. There's no problem with that. Plenty of space in the house, Bill. Plenty of space. Um, I've had a yeah. I'm bored of international football now. Let's get back to the real stuff. Excellent. And then we've got a newbie for us, Mister Tony Cross, other known as Lockster. You'll see him on Twitter. He tweets hard and fast. He's done a few articles for Besotted as well. Mister Lockster, how are you? I am pretty good. Looking forward to the game on Friday. It'll be the first one I've been to for a while due to ill health. But as I said, um, nothing short of death would stop me making this game. So looking forward to it. <laughs> um, hopefully you don't die between now and the weekend. I'm sure that's not going to happen. I, I, <laughs> this is, we have a very, very special guest in the studio today. We have Mr. Marcus Gale, ex-Brentford player Marcus. Marcus, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Billy. Eve- evening, yes. guys. Evening. Evening. Evening, Marcus. How you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm not too bad, to be honest. Yeah, Welcome good. to the side. Thank you very much. You were obviously international week. So uh, what have you been up to the last couple of weeks, Marcus? Been uh, watching lots of football? 
Um, the last week, no footballing at all. Uh, me and the missus, we was out for um, a birthday surprise out in Meribel, France, for a few days. Very nice. So, um, Very unfortunately, nice. I'm not allowed to ski or anything with a, a dodgy knee. No. But um, I had a few bevies out there and kept myself warm that way, really. So, um, yeah, kept up with the rest of the, the matches, saw a few matches. Um, England match on the Friday, which was great. Um, and all the other internationals after it as well. So, it doesn't matter cool. if I'm away, I can always still watch matches no matter where I'm at. Being an ex-Brentford player who played uh, against Fulham uh, on a number of occasions. So you'll give us a little bit of a vibe about that. And also, we'll yeah. just talk a little bit more about Brentford, who you've watched on quite a number of times, because it'll be really interesting to get the view from a professional footballer as to kind of, you know, where exactly we are at the moment now. And later, we're going to talk to Ben Taylor, otherwise known as the Magic Mod, from Fulham. Fulham fan, and he's going to give us his little rundown on exactly where Fulham are and whether he reckons they're going to beat us in that match on Friday. But before that, we're going to flip back to a couple of weeks ago. A game that, to be quite honest with you, could have been worse than it was. 2-0 down with six minutes to go. It wasn't looking good. We scored two goals in the last five minutes. Bang. Two all. Millwall were absolutely gutted. We're going to go and listen to what the fans had to say in the pub after the game about that match. It was complete get out of jail. And it was a bit of a mockery today's game, the fact that we looked better in defence when Harley Dean went off and we went with three at the back. We just, we got lucky, but hard for words. I mean, doesn't really help either, but either of us to draw. Millwall, they've got to be heartbroken from that. And we just got lucky. They buckled as soon as we got the penalty. Maybe if we had five more minutes, we could have done it. But top two pulling away now, top two or three. We just need to focus on ourselves, make sure we finish in that sixth spot. We didn't look good. We didn't bring the momentum from Tuesday into this game. Uh, Millwall started and they went at us. Um, not in a, it wasn't particularly good football, but you know they were right in possession. Um, yeah, we just just. I oh, know, just weren't on it. Just weren't on it again today. I think what's disappointing at the moment is we're letting two goals in every game for the last three games, and I don't really know. For me, um, if you keep on doing that, you might scrape into the playoffs. But if you let two goals in in both playoff games, that's four. You've got to score five. Um, so I think we're making it very difficult for ourselves at the moment. I think we kind of said on Thursday um, or Friday, whenever we did the podcast, that. We thought Millwall would come and throw the kitchen sink at us because, to be honest, they didn't have much. They haven't got much of a choice. Um, if they're going to get try and get out of where they are, they needed a win. Probably in the end, the draw was no good to them. So maybe it caught, but maybe it did catch us a bit off. I don't know. We still made some chances, but I think at the moment we're just running out of ideas. We we're putting a lot of crosses into the box rather than thoughtful balls to players you know, on the penalty spot and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we're hoping, I think, that Gray just gets on the end of some of these and it's just, it's not happening that way at the moment. interesting because there's a stat out there saying that Brentford actually, we're one of the worst, if not the worst team, in conceding goals on the fast break. You know, our centre-backs get involved with a lot of the attacking play and and at the moment we're paying for it, possibly. Massive get-out-of-jail card. Um, I don't often say this, but I do feel sorry for Millwall. I think um, they probably deserve to win today. 
Um, how do I see it going? The question. Um, I'm not. I'm not as downhearted um, as now. Uh, no, I'm not as downhearted as I was ten minutes before the end of the game. I'll be honest with you. Obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, I think the, the, the international breaks come at a perfect time for us. I think the players look really tired. They look tired of energy. They look tired of ideas. I don't think it's going to suit Dallas to be called up for international duty this week. I think they all need a rest. Um, I'll be happy if none of them play. I'll be honest with you. Um, we need to we need to recharge our batteries and come out and and, and demolish Fulham. Um, uh, I, I just I just thought if we if we'd have lost today we would have thoroughly deserved it. We just didn't we didn't create anything. We we looked we looked tired, Bill. We came for a draw during. Uh... Looking at our lineup, we came for a draw, putting three in the midfield, uh, three defensive midfielders, and to come at, come two new up, we were you know we were in dreamland. We looked to get you on a counter, and we did. And for you to guys, guys to come back, you know, gutted, yes, but still a good result for us to be honest. I think we, I think we, we pretty much know the outcome of the season, but um, it might give a little bit of life. Depending, we need you know, and we need three wins on a bounce, and if we don't get that, then we're down. So. Yeah, I was over the moon at the end. I didn't even bother standing up for the first goal because I thought it was a pure consolation. But second goal went in. Happy days. I think that's a point gain today. I backed us last week at fifty to one for the title, and I still fancy us to win it. Win the title. Easy. Fair play. Mind you, I am drunk. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So that were the fans after the game in the pub. Bit of a get-out-of-jail card there was played. I mean, quickly, I mean, we put this kind of to the back of our minds because we've had the international break and we all chilled out. But, I mean, Laney, just quickly, your thoughts on that game? Yeah, it, it really was a get-out-of-jail card. With 10 minutes to go, I, I really got no idea how we were going to get out of that. Um, so to get to get two goals back, it felt like a win, to be honest. And I, I spoke to a couple of Millwall fans at the station after the game, and I, it was a Freudian slip. And I said, oh, you know, you didn't deserve to lose that game. And they said, we didn't lose it, we drew. And I went, oh, yeah, 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 it was a draw. And it, but it, it, felt, it actually felt to me like we'd actually won it because we, we, we really, I wouldn't say we deserved nothing from it because we, we still played some good football. But I felt, I felt sorry for Millwall, and I don't often feel sorry for away fans or away teams. And I, and I felt that they, they came to Brentford and they, they really tried and they, they wanted it. And, you know, not saying we didn't want it, but that they were, they were set up. And we, I, think, I think we fell into the trap of expecting it was going to be a win. Um, and it just shows you that nothing really can be taken for granted in this division. And even the poorer teams aren't that bad. And that's why I'm, 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 not, I'm not nervous about going to Fulham. Um, and I, I think if we play to our strengths, we, you know, we, 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 will, we will win. But um, we, we can't go there looking at the league table thinking we deserve it. So we've actually got to get back to our best somehow. So I think, I think the, Millwall, the Millwall game showed me that we have slipped. I think we're tired and I'm hoping that the international break has actually helped us to just recharge our batteries. Hopefully people like Pritchard um, and Odebaggio, um have got, and um, Dallas have got youth on their side, so their their energy levels are, are quite strong still. But there's, you know, we we we, we do need to be energised somehow. Um, it's been a long season, um, but you know, what more incentive do you need than to go to Craven Cottage um, on Good Friday, a year after? You know, Good Friday is a good good day for us. You know, none of us are ever going to forget going getting promoted last year. Um, so. 
you know, the, 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 the vibe's good, um, karma's good, um, and the drinking's going to be good. Marcus, Marcus, I mean, six, six minutes to go, and you're still 2 0 down, and it looks like it's slipping away from you. I mean, you know, hark it back to 1992 again. Remember, we, were, we, were in, we had the run in, and then all of a sudden, yeah. we started to look a little bit shaky towards the end. Do you remember? Just and and I'm just wondering, do you know what the team is going through at this point? Because they expected us to beat Cardiff, they expected us to beat Millwall, and it hasn't quite happened. Now, I mean, are you saying, I mean, things don't necessarily happen as they're meant to be on paper, do they? Paper is irrelevant at times. Um, it's all about how the team feels mentally, emotionally as well, as well as physically. Um, I think having the, the international break for Brentford this season could be a, a blessing in disguise in terms of They've got the, the, you know, the majority of the squad can have a rest, uh, a mental and physical rest. While obviously the international boys, they're, they're going to be playing matches and so on. But they understand that this time of the season, March and April, is probably the most crucial part of any team season, um, especially if you're you're looking to be promoted. You've got to have a good run of form in those two months, especially. And if you've got that momentum to carry into into the first week of May. Um, then you're in, a, you're in a really good position to keep that momentum. Um, so I'm expecting Brentford to like just lick their wounds. They've had a few little wake-up calls, the Millwall game particularly, you know, being 2-0 down and, and only got 10 minutes to go to, to try and save the match, and they've saved it. It shows that there is resolve, there is a determination within the group, and with Mark Warburton at the helm of it, he, he doesn't want to let this season just float float by without a great mm-hmm. challenge towards the end. And... Um, it's important. There will be nerves. There's no doubt. The players are, are going to feel the nerves. The fans are going to probably feel the, the nerves for them as well. But one thing I can say is that players will always respond positively to fans in terms of the vibe. As soon as they come out on the pitch for the warm-up, they know exactly that there's no pressure. They've just got to keep maintaining and keep their consistency in the game. And, and they're good enough players to get through. They're, they can win games, no, no doubt at all, to try that throughout the whole season. I, we say we got out of jail. I think we're kind of on probation at the moment. I'm hoping it's not a hiccup and we're sort of, you know, running free by um, this time on Friday evening. Um, I it, it was funny with that Millwall game is I, I really felt we needed to win. And, you know, we got the second goal. Everyone was celebrating. I was actually screaming, get the ball and get a third goal because we need three points here. Um, that may have been a little bit over the top for my, you know, for me, but... I, I think we really need to start getting a few points in the bag because this top eight has started becoming very, very tight. I'm, I'm, I'm with Matt on this one. I think we need to start now start winning. And I think if we can, if we can get uh, four points out of six over the two Easter games, I think that's going to send out a big statement. Um, I'm. I don't know. I don't know where we'll get them or how we'll get them. Which game we'll get the three, and which game we'll get the one, and I don't really care. But we're, given that the the all the other teams around us are also playing each other um, on the on the Friday and on the Monday, I think that this is the weekend, as Marcus said, for Brentford really to make a statement. Uh, if we end up having getting six out of six points, that will be absolutely fantastic. Um, and really, I think then we'll see us cement a playoff position. We're going to leave the Millwall game behind us because, like I said, we've got to look forward and not look back. And we're still very much in the game. 
We've had a couple of weeks off. We're talking about the international week, but we need to, we don't normally have too much interest about the international week, but now, I mean, we had a good four or five players actually involved in international week. And, we, and I think it's fair enough that we need to mention that. We had Odebaji, who played two games for England, under 20s against Mexico and the USA, both wins in effect. We had Pritchard, who played two games for the under 21s. Stuart Dallas, who played against the Northern Ireland. And I bet you there's never been so many Brentford fans watching a Northern Ireland game as they did the other night as well. And he had a, he had a, he had a great game as well when, in that Finman game. Um, Long, he didn't actually get a shout, I don't think, in the under-20s game. And uh, Liam Moore as well, under-21s. And I'm not sure, I don't think he came on either as well. But again, interesting. Marcus talked about a couple of the players being in the under-21s as well. But that's a, that's a good sign for Brentford as well, isn't it? Billy, just to say, I think Long actually did return um, back to Brentford. I think he got a slight tweak in something. And um, so left after the Mexico game and came, came back to Brentford. Haven't heard any more developments on that. Um, but so it can't be too serious. But I reckon he did pull out of, of the squad. I think, I, think the, I think it's great that our players... It shows, it shows how great our, our season's been. That, um, you know, the, the players that are playing for Brentford are getting recognised internationally. I think in this instance now, in this, this snapshot in time, I think it's actually quite good that none of them really started, apart from Modabaggio. Um, the rest of them were subs. Um, so they were involved and they get the prestige and they, and they get the, 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 pr- the pride of representing the country. But they didn't do the ninety minutes. Um, we we need their we need their energy for Brentford. Um, it's, it's just it's just, a, it's just a shame that the, you know the, these these opportunities have come at this stage of the season. To be honest with you, but I think as well. Um, although the energy is one thing, but I think what's useful is if these if these people have good games for their country, it give it builds up their confidence when they're playing for their club. They know they're good players. They know they can handle it at a high level. And I think that's as important as they might be a bit more tired physically but mentally they know they can hack it I think that's good for us it's got to be good for us I mean I'd like to think that um, you know definitely Stuart Dallas and Odebaju you know and even Pritchard are going to be buzzing actually off the back of their games that they're playing because you know they went over they played you know they got some rave reviews from their game so a lot of people are saying I know if they play they're going to be tired but I'm thinking you know not be funny but footballers play football so you know they should be buzzing when they're coming back Interesting, again, talking about Marcus, because Marcus knows quite a few of the Brentford players and he's watched Brentford over time. And I'm just wondering, because obviously, Marcus, we're moving now into international zone. Are players there that you rate? And, you know, what players that you know and what the vibe is? I think, the, the, in general, the group is very good. I think it's a, a talented bunch. I love the way they play. I wish I was in this sort of team formation um, to play in when I was, you know, around to play. Um, I think Brentford's been a traditional 4-4-2 um, team over many decades and it's only the last few years it's changed to a 4-3-3 and it allows more technical passes, um, a lot more patience and um, you've encouraged certain players to, to come to the club now that will play attractive football and get you on the edge of your seats and, and that's what all the fans deserve anyway. Players want to play attractive football, fans want to see it they want to see winning football at the at the main end of it anyway, and I think at the moment the club is in the right direction. It is playing some really good stuff. It's had the promotion of last year. It's riding on the on a high crest of a wave right now, which is brilliant. Players are having the international recognition, which is great for the players, great for the advert of of Brentford FC as well. And um, it it can continue and it should continue. Um, the players I like watching, I like watching Jota on 
on the right wing, for instance, left footed, but he plays with so much calmness for me. Um, he doesn't seem to be under any pressure, no matter what is going around him. He's like Neo in the film Matrix, where he's <laughs> buzzing around at a million miles an hour, but he's just, take your time, I'm under full control, just get the ball to me and I'll make something happen, which is great. And you need like maverick players like that in every team. Um, yeah. Like you can say, get the ball to him. We've got a great chance of creating a, a really good attack and scoring goals and winning matches. And every team, as I said, they need that. But at the same time, you still need the players like too many in central mid um, that can. You, you know him as well, together. don't you? From you know him from time, don't you? Um, tomorrow. Yeah, well, I, I bumped into him when he first came over from France at Watford when he was, I think, 16 or 17. And there was a, a very strong rumour at that age, and I'll have it on good authority, that Chelsea was looking at him okay. at that age. And um, it didn't quite happen, but I do remember the scenario after where um, he was put into the first-team squad to get him to sign his contract. And okay. um, he signed. <laughs> and yeah. as clubs would do at times, as soon as you signed, they've got you for two or three years. And... He didn't. He didn't quite make the first team um, at that stage. But yeah. I was just asking, why didn't you come and talk to me about your contracts? Not like I'm an agent, but being a senior figure at the club at the time, it, a lot of young players would always come and ask me questions. I had to go about this or that, and he was one of those. But at that moment of the contract, there weren't too much talk. I only heard about it after he signed it. Yeah. He was, maybe, he was maybe, good enough to maybe, be spoken maybe, about. Maybe Chelsea will come back for him now. Not about now, but he's turned out to be a very good player. Um, I think at the time as well, we had Tommy Smith, yeah. up-and-coming youngster. I think he was 20, 21. He played up front with me. I'd done all his running, even though I was 31. So he does owe me and the club. But um, yeah, a talented player. Um, very calm and composed. He never seems flustered. I've never seen him red-faced angry over anything, even after a bad tackle that he'll get up and he'll probably have a little smile and, and carry on. But that's his sort of temperament and his character. But, you know, he went on to have a very good career after after his time at Watford. Um, sure. Richard Lee was a an up-and-coming keeper as well. Um, I think he made his he's debut done the about Asian, 18, 19 years. He's done the Asian thing now, hasn't he? Marcus? Oh, has he? Oh, good. Well, he's done Asian. He's gone to Fulham, hasn't he? Yeah, I've read about that. I've read about that. How did the fans feel about how he's gone... Completely. We're not worried. We we sent him there. Oh, we sent him there to do a job. We had a whip, we had a whip round. <laughs> a whip. We went. Yeah, like, we, went we, we want you to go there. Possibility of you getting picked to play against us, and you can chuck a few in the back of the net for us, Rich. You should have sent him on the <laughs> two twenty bus from Shippers Bush. That would have got you. <laughs> <laughs> That's Dustin, right, but, yeah. can, can can I ask a question, uh, Marcus? Because um, giving us the pros' insight which is Tamani, um, went out on loan to Portsmouth last year um, yeah. and then came back to us and is like a new player this season. Um, what, can you give us any clues to why you think that might be as to why, what, what happened at Portsmouth that really made him a championship player that he now is? Well, you, you went away to Finland, Marcus, didn't you, early on? To, to... Yeah, well, you come I, back. I didn't want to go. <laughs> The story with that was, I was asked by Steve Perman, what am I doing um, in the summer? I said, nothing much. He said, what about going out to Finland? I was like, nah, I'm not going out there. And then um, I went home and I told my mum about the whole conversation with the manager. And she goes, what are you doing? Are you crazy? That could be the start of you, the making of you. You don't know what sort of opportunity you've just turned down. So I thought about it overnight, got up the next day. 
knocked on the manager's door and said, um, I think I'll go, you know. Um, spoke to my mum about it and she says, you should go. And he went, nah, they've got someone else. And then my face dropped. I was so disappointed that I've missed an opportunity. And he saw my face dropped and he went, he was going out there anyway. Like that. So I didn't really have any choice. <laughs> he said, they've been waiting for you for the last two weeks. So um, he, he only had time just then to, to let me know about it. But he knew about it for you know previous two weeks. But um, it turned out to be, as my mum said, like the making of me. I came back with so much confidence, different style of playing. We played like 4-3-3, which suited my game. I ended up scoring... I think about 13 goals in 29 games and I'm not a goal scorer I'm, just, I'm a forward that can create goals I can get my fair share of goals but I probably had more joy in setting up goals than scoring goals but that's how I was made anyway but yeah I had a great time for six months um, and I came back um, I think it was first week of October 1990 the managers changed and Phil Holder who loved me to bits he put me straight in the team so my confidence just went through the roof that someone believed enough in me in, at nineteen twenty to throw me in the mix of League One football at the time. So being on loan, it, it can it can do that to you. It can give you that that kick that you need, that extra little push. Um, with some players, it may be that they've been complacent and they need to go out and loan just so the penny can drop with them. And maybe that happened with too many. Is that he probably got a little bit complacent, took his place for granted or whatever. He's been sent sent out on loan to like, do you really want to play at this club? This club is on the up. This play, this club is going places. And I think that's had that effect on him where he's come back. He's nailed a, a place down in the team. He's one of the main players in there right now. And, you know, he's, he's overseen a, a promotion and playing very well at championship level where, you know, he's got the ability to play there anyway. So it's a good thing that it's happened to him. And, you know, looking at Pritchard as well, on loan from Spurs, he's having a full season here at Brentford, and who knows what, what you know, what sort of position he'll be playing next year if, if he goes back to Tottenham. Or you, you just never know. But it, it's so helpful that players can come out and get their confidence, get that consistency, learn the trade instead of having you know being thrust into the limelight so quick and it damages them. But to sometimes take a step back or another country in my in my instance. Um, it just helps you see a different angle of your career and your pathway. Marcus, as, as you just touched on it, and while you just mentioned Pritchard, you know what what would your what would your um, advice be to someone like him? You know, he, he, he's you know he, he sees himself probably as having a chance back at Tottenham. Yeah. Yet he's had a full season under his belt at Brentford, and I'm sure he's loved every minute of it and been involved in you know a progressive team. You know, would your advice be? You know, you've been a you've know, been a you know, Glasgow Rangers. You've you know, you've been at some you've been at some big clubs too. Is it would is it better to be playing and part of the week to week team at a slightly smaller club, or would you say it's better to be um, on the fringes of a bigger club? What, what you know, what would your what would your advice be to him well, if you were his agent? If I was his agent, I would I would talk from my own perspective how I made it. I wasn't blessed by being at a, a massive club. Um, in the top flight I was blessed with Brentford which was a league one club at the time that gave me the opportunity I needed and that gave me the it shaped my career I played I think a no, just under 200 games I think before I moved up to the premiership with Wimbledon 
And if it wasn't for, for those 200 games at Brentford, there was no way I would have been ready <laughs> to play top flight football and beyond. So I needed to play consistently um, over a period of time as a young player to learn the skills, appreciate the game, go to ugly grounds and win games and do the laundry when, when you was a kid instead of, at the moment, the top flight clubs. They're so kind of wrapped in this Hollywood bubble wrap that the players, they're not prepared to take the hard knocks and to, to see what, what in reality is normal life for the majority of players. But people like Harry Kane have done the hard knocks and they, yeah, they, they've, they've been out, they've been the out and, they're, and they're, they're, they're reaping the rewards now. So, it's like, so Pritchard can reap those rewards, do you think, still? Oh, definitely. I think, look, if he's, got an, if he's got an opportunity to stay at Brentford for a second year, um, I, would, I would encourage him to do that. He's got to look at his pathway at Tottenham. Yes, the signs are good. They're, they're playing homegrown players. We've just seen or witnessed last night there was four Tottenham players playing for England last night, which is great. Um, so the door is starting to open for the homegrown players to come through. It doesn't mean everybody is now going to just start flooding through. But the signs are there. But what he needs to do is play another whole season, get another whole season under his belt, really understand what it means to, to graft out a career. Because who's going to have a 10-year career at, at Tottenham? Maybe Kane, he should do because of the type of player he is and how the fans love him. But there's not there's not many testimonials these days in the game. It's very it's a very rare thing. So I would encourage him that stay at Brentford, get another second year under under your belt, and then see. He's still pretty young. There's no rush to make it. But I think some players they do they do want to just stay at the the high class clubs because of the status and what it gives them. It empowers them even more. But you look on their appearance sheet over a period of, say, 10 years, they've hardly played any games. And you just don't get that sort of time back um, cool. when Cheers, you mate. get older. So I would encourage as many young players, stay at the level where you can play regular football. By the time I was, as I said, 20, 22, 23, I had just under 200 games under my belt. And I was ready to move on up. I needed that next kind of sort of challenge, that next kind of push, just to see if I can do it. If I couldn't have made it in the Premier League at that stage, I'm sure I would have played championship football, um, no problem, um, and, and carved out a career. But I was fortunate enough to, to play at the top flight for, what, I think, seven years, six or seven years, um, which I'm so proud of, because I never dreamt that I would I would do, you know, do as well as I did. But if it wasn't the, the grounding at Brentford... I wouldn't have stood the chance. Yeah, cool. And you know, and 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 I think there's good advice there for Marcus as well. Same thing that you know, as the fans, we would say, but it's difficult for us to say because a lot of people would say that we're biased, you know. So, but other than that, just looking on the flip side on the bees as well, could be a bit of good news. I mean, we're talking about developing players. Scott Hogan, who's been injured since the beginning of the season, since that Rotherham game back in August, I think it was, trained for the first time today, and he said it felt good. So that's a bit of positive news. Again, you know, probably won't see him play till the beginning of next season, but that's good news that he's back and he's responded well. And also Lewis McLeod, he played for the development team uh, at the weekend against Nottingham Forest. Uh, we lost against them and he had a, a quiet start, but the fact that he's actually back there, just signed him from Rangers, but we haven't seen him. Again, probably won't be seeing him till next season. So that's quite good news. And also we'll talk about, you know, you're talking about Tottenham, you're talking about Premier League sides. Um, Brentford had a, a bit of a hush-hush game 
against the Arsenal under-21 side who had uh, unknown players like uh, Jack Wilshere, Abba Diaby, uh, Mikel Arteta and Matteo Dibucci all playing in that game and we got well and truly thumped 4-0. But then saying that, we did actually have quite a lot of youth team players playing in that, like Courtney Senior, James Ferry, uh, Herson Rodriguez, Alves, all youth team players playing in that. They just came for a bit of experience. But again... How many times do you say that you know your Brentford team are going to play against players like Jack Wilshire and uh, Arteta? Well, they're cheats, aren't they? I mean, let's be honest with you. I mean, what's the. It's just cheating, isn't it, really, isn't it? You might as well play Burkamp and, I mean, Henri and Ian Wright. I mean, if you're going to have a youth team game, it's a youth team game. You can't. It's not like a Brentford youth versus Arsenal All Stars. It's, it's not really fair, is it? Yeah. Here's our youth team. Oh, by the way, it's. Half of our current actual team. Same old Arsenal, always cheating. <laughs> but the experience those players must have taken in for ninety minutes is—you you can't buy that. No, they're cheating. When they when they see when they see Jack Wilshere on the other side, Arteta, who um, else did you mention? Debushi, they would have stepped their game right up. And that's you know the clue is in the name of the squad, isn't it? Development squad. It's not result squad. It's a development squad. Where you're developing your your best youngsters to to get the best experience to produce um, one day to be in your first team, and if that these sort of games, even if it's against, as you say, so-called Arsenal cheats, using <laughs> that sort of, that sort of insight, that's great. That's great development for them. So hats off to the yeah uh, development I'm, I'm squad not so, I'm not for so... lining up. I'm not so harsh on uh, on it as Dave might be because actually I agree with you, Marcus. I mean, the fact that Brentford are chosen to play a behind-closed-door game against um, Arsenal shows that actually we, we as a footballing team are respected and I think people do actually respect the style of football we try and play um, and what we're trying to bring in. And I think that's a credit to the club and the management as well. I, and we should course. take pride in that as Brentford and supporters. I, and I, I bet you it's a better quality game than most of the internationals we've seen this weekend. Ch- uh, Scotland versus Gibraltar. Seriously? You know, uh, Brent, Brentford's, Brentford's development squad versus Arsenal's development squad. I bet that was a better standard of football than even England's match last week. Uh, and, you know, I... I you know, I, I flip, flippantly call Arsenal cheats. I mean, seriously. I mean, obviously, it's, it's great for the for the you know with my serious head on. It's, it's great for the for the Brentford youth players. Um, but you know, um, it's only it's only ever going to be a one-sided contest, and if Arsenal are going to play that caliber of players, you know, seriously. In terms of looking for future loanees from 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 other football clubs, demonstrating to Arsenal that we we have the right setup and we play football in the right way. Is, can only encourage them when we come in and say can, we would like to take X player on loan because they know they're going to get the right kind of development and they're going to get looked after in the right way. I totally agree. That's, that's probably one of the best points out of it that you just said is that you're playing a team like Arsenal. All right, they might have a few senior international established players, but it's an advert for Brentford to be known out there to, to a club like Arsenal. And, you know, if everything goes well this year, the first teams could be playing each other. Um, if things don't go as well this year, you can still turn around to Arsenal and say, "Hey, you know our style of play. We've just missed out on the on the promotion for Premier League. Um, we've played your development squad. You know what sort of system we 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 want. We want to integrate players in. What players do you have to come and 
get into our good environment. And, and that's what the top flight clubs want. They want a good environment for their players to develop. Um, and Brentford are definitely going to be one of those. We've got a player from Tottenham already. Um, you're getting better calibre players coming in on loan now, which is a, a great testament to the club. So, um, Marcus, and I know we had a lot of success when you were at the club um, the first time round. Um, are yeah. you sort of saying that the um, the football we played under Phil Holder is somewhat different to the football we play now under Mark Warburton? I think just it's, it's the generation gap. 4-4-2, don't forget when I first started, the goalkeeper can pick, the, pick up a back pass yeah. and, and hoof it down the road. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and a lot of the times out to you on the wing to head it. Yeah, yeah, and I look back on it, I think, you know what, I had to do what I had to do to get a career, yeah. even though I didn't totally agree with the style of football, um, which was back to front. You know, I'm six foot one, six foot two, can head a ball, can beat players, yeah. relatively good left foot that can cross and score. And you can abuse players. I felt, I'm not going to point any fingers, but, you know, you can abuse players' attributes in that sort of regard. Whereas, you know, I've, I've been a, a manager and coach over the last, what, six and a half years up until Christmas. And I never got my keeper to get the ball and pump it up to the forward or to the left winger that looked like me. I was complete opposite because of my footballing philosophy and how I wanted the game played. I, I always wanted the ball on, on the floor. Um, the only time I started heading the ball was when I left school at 16 to come to Brentford because that was part of the first team way of football that was you know the style of British football at, at that stage so you know I, I had to adapt and you know just be the best I could play in that brand of football but as I said earlier I would have loved to play in this current football team because I, I'm, I'm sure I would have played probably even better than what I did in the past indeed yeah. and, and talking about players who, who may play better than they did in the past as well a little bit of breaking news we're trying to work out whether or not this is an April fall but Looking back on, on looking back online, I don't think it actually is. There's rumours that Marcelo Trotter or Marcello Trotter, who uh, you know was a bit, a bit divisive, but you know he did the business for us. To be fair, last season missed the penalty, but last season he scored goals and he scored that goal at Orient, which in effect I think sent us up to the championship. Um, he ended up um, wasn't able to move to Brentford. Fulham wouldn't sell him to Brentford apparently. Um, and then, but they wouldn't play him. He ended up at Barnsley doing a couple of spells there. But then, in the end, he decided to go to second division in Italy, a, a club called Avellino. He scored a fair few goals there. I think four goals or five goals in nine games, three goals for the under twenty ones for Italy, and apparently Juventus want to sign him in, in, in summer, which is uh, pretty amazing. If that's the case, isn't it? Yeah, fair, fair play to him. To be honest, um, he did redeem himself somewhat. When he came back the second time, he was brave to do it. Um, uh, a lot of a lot of fans wouldn't have given him; uh, they wouldn't have crossed the road to we on him. To be honest, <laughs> after what happened in the last game of that 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 season when he missed a penalty. Um, but you're right; he, he, he scored the goal that made us celebrate like he won the FA Cup down at Brisbane Road. Um, and he, he clearly was a very good footballer. Um, he sometimes seemed to lack the English kind of work work ethic sometimes. Um, he, he, he could seem a little lazy, um, being brutally honest, but sometimes as fans, we don't quite grasp the, the finesse and the, and the skills and, and actually how good they are. And I, I know, Bill, you know, you, you brought a couple of people to, 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 to Brentford over the last couple of years and they thought he stood out like a country mile 
that he was he was class. So yeah, technically they thought that he yeah. was unbelievable. I mean, I took, one of who's who's actually a Greek fan. Who first of all he thought that we were actually very quiet because he's used to flares and people going completely berserk at their games. So that was the first thing that sort of kind of he looked at. And then the second thing is like you know who do you rate? And I played a few players, and he just said Trotter. He's a million miles above everybody technically. He's just absolutely fantastic, which I thought was interesting because that was at a time he's you know only about two months into the season last season. And uh, still coming off the back of the the, the penalty miss. That's, that's the difference between fans and, and football people. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. you need football people to to see how good football people really are. You know, like people like John Terrell. You know, a lot of people rave about him and just say how wonderful he is. I, I don't quite get him. You know, and, and that's me, that's me being honest. I I'm not zoned into that frequency. He, he doesn't ex- excite me like like um, a Jota does. But maybe I'm, I'm I'm quite predictable. Maybe Marcus will look at someone like John Terrell and go that he is the most rounded, accomplished player that you have in your squad. And I, I don't get it because I'm a fan. So, um, you know, I think sometimes you need to take one step backwards and kind of evaluate your players in a different way. It is, it is different at times. You know, fans see you know, they see the basic things to a, to a good degree. They understand what commitment is, passion, um, skill levels, all these sort of things. As players and coaches, we look at, the, you know, the slightly technical issues with players, touches, decision-making, execution of things. Same as fans, but we see it at a, at a higher rate sort of thing. Not to say that we're, we're more special. That's not, the, that's not the point I'm trying to make. It's just that we look at different things like you know we've had a player at our previous club that they'll they'll rave over he's our best player I said but he runs he does a lot of running in the game and my my constructive criticism to him would be look the game ain't just about running if it is I would get Mo Farrer in there because he can do many more miles than you the game ain't about running it's about it's called football for a reason, and it's about technical ability, decision making, execution on the ball, and and the end product. So fans can get wrapped up with the emotion, the tempo of things, and just you know slightly basic idea ideas of of what should make a, a good player. Whereas coaches and players from inside the training camp and in the boardrooms and change rooms, there's a different kind of um, in depth. Um, knowledge that goes around and a, and a requirement for, for players. So, as I said, Jota, he sticks out a mile. For me, he's got that composure that I think every team needs. I think Brentford's going to really rely on his composure over the next five, six weeks or so to get the team through. It's going to need um, Douglas, the captain in there, to really just keep that momentum in midfield. He may not be blessed athletically, but what he's blessed with, he's as calm as anything. He's got the experience. He's got the know-how. He, I've seen him do unselfish runs when players are out of position and he'll fly over to the left wing to cover someone um, that's out of position. And he'll do that all game long, but only for a period of time. Not all game long, but he'll do that and rebuke that player that ain't doing his job. You need these sort of players, even at the back with the two sonars, Harley Dean. You know what you're going to get from him. He is a very good attacker of a ball he'll head that ball he'll tackle he's useful on the ball as well you need all types of players that are necessary to your team you can't have all the same sort of characters and I think that's the beauty of the game you can have so many characters in your team but if it's a successful team 
it doesn't really matter because you're, you're winning. You've seen Mark, different Marcus, players develop. These players that you're naming, my friend, they're all got they're all really hairy. Are you what you're saying is you need really hairy players. <laughs> well, to a point, yeah. <laughs> In fact, I, be... I used to get stick from you guys about getting my hair cut, and I used to be like, I ain't cutting my hair. <laughs> We could be Mark Marcus, you know that's not what you got stuck about, my friend. We could be here all, we could be here all night though discussing our uh, best centre back pairing. Um so I, I think we probably ought not to go down that route, Billy. Not at all. And I think we should move on to the game in question, which is the big game. Obviously we had a massive, massive game this weekend. Good Friday. Fulham. We're down to Fulham. Train, car, coach, boat. Whichever way we can get down to Fulham, we're getting down there. We're going to talk about the Fulham game in just one sec. So, Good Friday. The Bees craving cottage for the first time in 17 years. We've got Mr Marcus Gale in the house. We're going to delve back a little bit into history because he knows everything about them old school Fulham games. It's interesting, if you go on the internet, I've seen a couple of the Fulham fans going... I, I didn't realise that the, the, the rivalry between Brentford was so large. I mean, you know, I just just had no idea. And all of a sudden, people are getting really excited about it. And then, then when I went to the match, and you know, and, and, and then everyone was like cheering and, and when they scored. And it's really funny because obviously this is entrenched with obviously us lot here. We This has been in our blood for years. I mean, you know, the first Fulham game that I went to, I remember when, I think his name was O'Sullivan scored. I remember it in the 71st minute and they beat us 1-0 and uh, they were only in the division for one year and I think I must have cried at school for the next sort of week or so. And ever since then, every time we played Fulham, it was an absolutely humongous game. Obviously, Fulham went up to the Premier League and uh, they disappeared and they've got a new set of fans that came through and a lot of those fans, really, Brentford means not a lot to them. So I think it's going to be a bit of a wake-up call on uh, Friday when six and a half thousand Brentford fans turn up at Craven Cottage, absolutely foaming at the mouth and just cheering their team on. But Marcus Gale, I've got to talk to you. How big is the Brentford-Fulham derby? It's a great game. Um, I'm not sure how many games I played in it, but um, I enjoyed the the spiciness. It was more of a a proper London derby um, during those days because you didn't really have too many overseas players playing for the clubs. You had a lot of local players or London players, so to speak. Um, for the build-up, it, it wasn't much much to be made of it, to be honest, from what I can remember. Maybe I was just too young and naive or, or whatever. I knew Fulham games, big big old game because you know the proximity of the two clubs, the fans all around each other anyway. Um, so you, you, knew, you knew the history of it. It was a game where this was a fans game, really. You're just you're just a part of the the 22 participants out there, and you're playing really for the fans, and you want to make sure that they're they're going home singing the loudest out of everybody. And um, I think that's that's the way it went during my time with Brentford against Fulham. Um, I think we had more, you know the majority of the 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 results from from my not so great a memory, but. The one that really stood out was the the one back in was it two uh, nineteen nineteen two yeah it's so far back I nearly forgot <laughs> in the rain and it this was in the rain build up to that because look you know before that game it was kind of like Brentford needed to win the next two games yeah. to kind of ensure promotion 
So, I mean, Phil Holder must have been going, right, right, lads, you know. We went on a bit of a run, you know. You went on a bit of a run before that. Before that, we were out the game. Then all of a sudden, bang, bang, we were winning games, winning games, winning games. We came to that mm. Fulham game, didn't we? And what was the vibe before that game? I don't think there was too much pressure to, like, win the game. It was just like, you know what? We're in a good position. We don't have to really go on a crazy run or anything. But look, we we always prepared to win every match that we trained for. Um, and that was no different. Um, I think for me personally, like, that was a maximum crowd. I think it was like 12,000 that day. And to come in, I think I drove in and the place is packed on the outside. And that's when you really sense, you know what, the fans are up for this. You can really feel that they're up for it. I know the players are up for it anyway. We just don't want to disappoint. And I think that's what players carry in, that they don't want to disappoint themselves, the family, and especially the fans going into these big matches. And I think we just started them, you know, like a house on fire that day with a couple of quick goals and the first, well, I think that was all in the first half. Yeah. But we really well, started yeah. off and we never gave Fulham a chance to, to get any footway in the midfield or anywhere up front. We just kind of smothered them and that's the result we got. I think it was, what, 4-0? Um, and the rest was history after that. But yeah, the game, you don't you don't really remember too much of the ins and outs. You remember, obviously, the significant phases, like the goals, like the general play, and how the second half was. I couldn't tell you anything about the second half, to be honest. <laughs> it was all about that first half, how we started. And the rest, for me, was like a blur. And just remember the final whistle going. And we've won that game and put ourselves in a, a really good position. But um, I enjoyed the battles with Fulham. Um, I think one of my first games might have been against Fulham. And I'm up against a senior player called John Marshall, I think. He was probably 30, 31. And I'm like, you know, 18, 19. And... See the size of his calves was Linda, the size of my thighs. I'm like, well, he's trying to break me. So I had, I had a tough time in trying to avoid his sort of challenges, his tackles. And this is partly, you know, down to the upbringing for me as a, as a left winger at the time. Was people want to, they want to put you down first before you even get on the ball. So I had to kind of develop a way of trying to avoid um, being hit. I was even encouraged, like, Marcus, the size of you, you need to hit first and ask questions after that. So I, I kind of took that on board from Keith Jones pretty quick mm. and um, adopted that style. But um, particularly the Fulham games, it was necessary because it was all about the first challenge. Can you take the first challenge? What can you do on the ball? Could you get out of your opponent and put in a good cross or a good pass or something like that? It's a nerve-wracking game, no doubt. Um as we saw with Gerard recently against like Man United, he, he sat there for 45 minutes looking at, at this traditional game without a serious tackle. And he's come on second half, and the first thing he does, he says, like, I'm going to spark this game into life, which he did, <laughs> and, and probably went overboard and, and got caught for it. But that's what you want in these games. Um, well, like, you want like that Gary, sort of Blissett. Spice. Gary Blissett did that yeah. famously at, um, <laughs> at Craven Cottage with Jim Stannard. He um, he sparked the game into life by decking him, basically. Um, well, got sent I'm not condoning to... it. I'm not condoning it. But <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go on. Local <laughs> games need a sparks. They need they need characters on that pitch. They need people that understand and can hold their their club's badge with pride and and show that to the fans. Like you know what we're doing this. As a community, as a club, as um, 
a new entity, so to speak, and we're gonna we're gonna demonstrate how good we've 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 been over the last eighteen months, two years. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to a good game. I'm hoping that the result goes Brentford's way, obviously. Um, I don't think Brentford can take an eye off Fulham at all because they're still a dangerous um, team out there, as we've seen with you know Millwall lower down in the division, but they don't go ahead for a 2-0 lead and, and catch Brentford cold until Brentford's strength and quality shine through towards the end. Um, and I think that was the wake-up call for this game. Yeah. I don't think Brentford would, would dare, like, you know, start sloppily. And they've done that over the last, you know, three or four games. Not really started the game as well and then found a bit of strength and courage and quality in the latter parts of the game and, and got results out of it. Like, they can't afford to do that against Earlier, we were talking about other Fulham matches because obviously everyone remembers the 4 0, but we've played them very many times over the, you know, we, over that we, period we, of time, you know. We've played, uh, we played, played them a lot, Bill. We've played them a lot. Um, and in the 80s, especially, and it's the 80s games to me that, re- that really stand out. And I've picked out, there's a few. There's a few Fulham away 80s classics which will be on the Besotted website by the time you listen to this. But there's there was there's probably four games from the 80s that really stand out, and not necessarily because we won or we didn't lose, because we, we. But our our Brentford's record at Craven Cottage is 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 pretty good, um, and they and actually in fact their their record at Griffin Park is is probably pretty good too. But the the first game that stands out was um in August of. Uh, in in August of eighty one, eighty two, when um, we beat them, we beat them two one, um, and that's Barry, Barry Tucker scored a uh, a penalty, um, and um, that was that was the winner. But for, I mean, there's an iconic picture on the site of Brentford wearing an Adidas kit from that era, but it was light blue. And if anyone's got one of those, I'll, I'll buy it off you. Um, and you know, it's, it's a Terry Herlock team. Um, you know, it, it's just a really, a really special game to, to go there. And the, the, the Hammersmith end is, was completely empty that day, um, as I'm sure it will be on Friday. Um, <laughs> and the, the next game I, I, remember, I remember, and I was, I was there, was September um, uh, of '82, um, and we we won three one. Um, Robbie Cook, someone called Tony Obi. I don't know if you remember Tony Obi. Yeah. Tony Obi, he was a really, really good. He was a tricky winger, wasn't he? Um, he ran half the length of the field, passed to Francis Joseph, and absolutely smashed it home for the third goal. Um, and I, I remember, go, I remember going there as a kid, and um, we, I felt like we took the piss. To be honest with you, I, I felt Brentford used to go there and take over, and that that game, Fulham. Away, home crowd, four thousand eight hundred and twenty. Mm-hmm. That was like absolutely ridiculous. So you know, Fulham fans really did desert their team when they were down in the doldrums, um, and that's something I don't think Brentford fans have ever done. You know, we, we we were down in the you know we were down in the fours, but I mean, there would have been fifteen hundred Brentford there that day, so that was probably only you know two and a half thousand mm-hmm. Fulham. So that's that's, that's quite that's quite galling, I would have thought. Um, but the, the the probably the best ever season was um, um, it was eighty eight eighty nine, I think. We played there three times, um, once in the Littlewoods Cup, um, once in the league, and once in the Sherpa Bands, and we were undefeated. We drew two and won one. Um, and that was that was the season where Blissett punched Stannard 
Um, <laughs> and that was also the season where um, Roger Stanislaus scored that just stunning, stunning goal. He just got, I can see it now. He, he cut in from the, from the left-hand side and he rifled it home from probably 30-odd yards. Um, but that was, a, that was a brilliant Brentford team, you, you know, included, you know, people like Andy Sinton, Kevin Godfrey, Terry Evans, um, and Richard Cadet and Blissett at their best. So, you know, that, that was the kind of team that Marcus was was being introduced to at back at the, the back end of the 80s, yeah. into the early 90s. Um, you know, that, those those players were, were special. And in, in the right team, playing the right game, I, I, I still think that that team could compete. People like Richard Cadet, I, I think they were way more skillful and way better players than the formation allowed them to be. Um, and including yourself, I know, you know it's interesting to hear you say that you wish you were playing now. Um, and I think there's a lot of players that in the back of the end of the 80s where Wimbledon was showing that you know you, you could play to a system to get success. And I know you had success in that in a system like that. But I, I, I you, know, you were with Wimbledon for quite a number of years. But I think if players were allowed to be players and express themselves in a in a more creative way, um, back back then I think England would have been better as a nation in terms of their their, their, their sport in success because um, you know we we've been playing to almost like just to our the strength as in, in in an ugly way rather than being creative and the Spanish have shown us that you can you can you can you can excel yeah. by just playing beautiful football and yeah. that's what we're seeing now. It's the fan it's the fans again, isn't it? They want the bulldog spirit, but actually that probably isn't going to win you World Cups. Well I think I think I think one of the best things about being a Brentford fan the last two seasons has been the, the quality of the football we've been playing is is so much above anything most of us have seen before. I mean, my, my, my Luton sporting friend always goes, you used to know where you were with Brentford. There'd be two hulking centre-backs hoofing the ball up the pitch to wingers who would hoof it into the, into the box and there'd be a hulking centre-forward. Uh, centre steady, steady. <laughs> <laughs> there'd be a hulking centre-forward to hammer it into the back of the net. That's better. Play, play like a, we play proper football. We play football the way it's supposed to be played, I think. The old... Brian Clough quote about if football was meant to be played in the air, they'd have put grass in the sky. And I think we now play football on the ground where the grass is supposed to be. So listen, enough reminiscing because listen, it's good thoughts there. And also it's really interesting to hear Marcus's thoughts, you know, back in the day, style that they play. But we're going to look forward to this game. But before we do that, we're actually going to have a little chat to a Fulham fan. I know. Boo. He's not only a Fulham fan, but he's a mod. He's known as the magic mod because he's not only a mod, he's also a magician. So he's yeah. a magician, he's a mod, and he's a Fulham fan. His name's Ben Taylor. And I had a good chat to Ben a bit earlier on about Fulham, about Bees Up, Fulham Down, about all sorts of stuff. And uh, just have a little listen to what we had to say. So, big game on Friday. The Fulham. Lots of bees on the way down to Fulham on Friday by all manner of transport, car, by train, by bus, by coach, by boat. They're getting there whichever way they can. But we thought a couple of days before end, we thought we'll go over to the posher side of West London and speak to the man, the Fulham's magic mod, Mr Ben Taylor. How you doing, Ben? Yeah, not bad. Yourself? I'm all right, man. I feel relaxed, but I feel a bit of trepidation for you. You're a little bit nervous, aren't you? No, not at all. I mean, uh... It's, like I said, it's more. It's your FA Cup final, really. For us, it's just another game. I mean, just going to stroll into it like we do any other game. But hopefully, we'll win this one, which yeah. we haven't been doing recently. 
No. Well, think well. We, we'll talk about that in a bit. But I just want a little bit of background on you because Ben, you you are the magic mod. So you first of all, which is not the best of them all, you're a Fulham fan. But we'll we'll part that to one side. But on the flip side of it is also you're a magician, and yeah. you're a mod. So, yeah, so tell us well, a, tell us how that works then. Yeah, sure. So basically, uh, when I was a youngster, obviously a massive Fulham fan, which. Yeah, you know, it's probably changed my life. And then I also had a massive passion of magic as well. And uh, when I was eight years old, or I think it was seven, I got my uh, first Paul Daniels magic set. And from there, I was hooked on it. And then going on to later on, when I was like nine, eighteen, I started doing it as a profession. And then started doing a few TV shows and everything. And then twenty, when I was twenty, it just seemed to like really hit off. And it's what I started to do full time. And I just uh, something I've always loved to do and it's quite grateful that it's worked out the way it has and then obviously the mod scene is something I've been influenced well since I was probably born you know I was born into it mum and dad were mods and it it just felt right you know one of the first films I really understood was Quadrophenia one of the first albums I ever listened to was the jam calling all mod cons and it just it fitted in so well and it's really it's it's more of a lifestyle than anything else isn't it you know it just fits in so well the mod scene is the coolest scene out there, I believe, and uh, I think it works well with the magic. So I think that's equally as cool. So, question: Are you part of the? I mean, the magic circle. We've heard about this magic circle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm part of like the inter magic circle, and I'm uh, thinking about going in and doing like the high. There's like different categories and everything of the magic circle. So I'm in like the inter magic circle, but I'm thinking about going in and really going for the top. It's like a blue Peter badge. I mean, it just looks good. It doesn't mean you're any good at it doesn't mean he's better than him he's better than him it's just it's one of them things it's like an fa cup if you've got it it just looks good if that makes sense yeah yeah but, yeah so, so, so it's, it's kind of like a is there like a magic mafia <laughs> uh you can say that yeah i suppose so it's like a cult if anything you know like everyone i mean magicians are funny people which i don't understand a lot of them are really arrogant and they don't they keep all their secrets to to themselves which i always keep my own secrets together but I believe magicians should always share, you know, um, or always rub off advice on people. Like I've been fortunate enough to know a lot of my heroes in magic who have given me a lot of advice. Paul Daniels was one, and uh, he was brilliant, you know. And I went up to him and said to him, I'm a magician, and the first thing he said to me was, you better go and get your head looked at. And, you know, it's just sort of... So anyway, but the question I'll ask you, do you think that yeah. you're going to do your magic to save Fulham from relegation this season? Oh... <laughs> I bet you're laughing this right up, aren't you? I bet you're like, oh, Fulham are at the bottom of the table. We're up the top. But uh, I think it's just this season, let's write it off really as a Fulham fan. I mean, I think I speak on behalf of all Fulham fans where we didn't have the greatest start to the season. I mean, we had a, well, we don't really want to mention his name in the gaff, but he was the worst thing I've ever seen at Fulham. He liked a bit of cheese. Oh, Jesus Christ. I, I liked more than that. He was awful. I mean, exactly. I mean, even... I don't want to bring it up because it's probably comedy gold for all you Brentford fans, but, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, the sort of thing, stuff he used to do. I mean, I can say, though, our first win this season was against you in the Capital One Cup, though. So It was. I'll put that one out there. No, 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 that's right, yeah. We, 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 yeah, we tried to put in a, a third... 
third-rate side, actually, you know, possibly switching on the second-rate side for that one. But we we won't go into that anyway. <laughs> well, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So listen. Yeah. So basically, so the Felix, you weren't happy with the Felix, and the Kit Simons came in, took over from him, didn't he? And uh, yeah. He, oh, he's, he's, yeah, he is. I really think he is. I mean, I I know Kit really, really well, and um, it all all built a relationship with him after the. Uh, charity match I played in celebrities versus the Fulham legends and um I started chatting to all the legends after and Kit in particular I got on really well like a house on fire I mean I was um I knew he managed he was part of the under 21s at the time and I just thought to myself this is the sort of bloke we need in charge of the team because he's got such passion I mean he's he was also a player for Fulham and he's won titles with the Fulham and that you know he he was in the promotion side and all that so he knows what it takes to get promoted and I just think he's uh, one of them people who is so motivational I mean he was doing it with the uh, the Wales team wasn't he under with Chris Coleman he was helping out and um, I just thought oh I really think he you know I would like to see him in charge rather than McGaff and I did tell him that a few times and then uh, when McGaff went or left got sacked whatever can't stand the bloke but anyway I thought I hope Kit gets to go, you know, I really do. And then, boom, Sky Sports come up, Sky Sports News, and Kit was, um, did a little bit of taking over. And I thought, well, I think we're going to see an improvement here. I really do. And, I mean, the stats don't lie. I mean, his first couple of games, I think, took off really well. I mean, his first game we lost, which is it's, it's Fulhamish, isn't it? His first game was Blackburn Rovers at the Cottage, I believe, and we lost 1-0. And then we went on the run of winning... I think it was four games in four games in five or something. It was just yeah. remarkable. So he turned the season right around, right yeah. around. And um, yeah, like Bolton, the Bolton, the Norwiches, all those games with it. You know, Charlton as well. I think you know some good results there. That's it. Yeah, we beat Bolton four nil. Um, beat Norwich one nil. Charlton three nil. Three nil. And um, and then I think we lost in the Capital One Cup five two against Derby. But I mean the cup. You know, I mean he got the players playing again. I mean, under McGaff, I thought to myself, I can't see us even getting a point, let alone, you know, winning, because I just didn't think the players wanted to play under him. I know it's harsh to say. I mean, I know a lot of the lads, and I know how passionate they are about Fulham, but I just don't think McGaff was getting motivated. I think he would knock their confidence down, if anything. And then Kip, like I said, there's nothing you could say. I can't say anything bad about him. I think he's done done well, and I'm hoping, uh, give him next season, I think we will challenge for promotion again. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about the cup because, uh, I mean, like I said, you Kitty turned it around and we sort of, you know, there's a good run that he went on and, and ironically, actually, the, the one of the teams that beat you was, I'm not talking really in, but it was Brentford in the middle of that period where you were actually on a really good run. Actually, we were a little bit nervous at that time when we came to play you because you were right on the up and, yeah. and, 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 you know, we got that victory but then you carried on last season or, or last year, to went back into last year, decent results and Ironically, mm. it seems that what seems to have been your slight downfall is your FA Cup run because you got a bit of a mini FA Cup run, went out to Sunderland, and since then your results haven't really gone your way. The only the only decent result you had was that Derby result, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, beat Derby two 0 Of course, Darren Bent was there, and uh, he probably wanted to try and prove a point, but he didn't. He ended up going off injured, which was brilliant for us. Another player who wasn't really fit to wear the Fulham shirt, but. Um, yeah, I mean, playing you, it was Friday night, wasn't it? And you beat us 2-1. Yeah, with a 94th minute, yeah. minute goal from Hotter. 
who is um, he's he's warming it up, mate. He's I don't know if you've seen the goal he scored against Blackburn, but he's warming it up for this game because that to me was absolute joy when he scored in the 94th minute. I bet you probably made a DVD of it, didn't you? Like, <laughs> I mean, the club probably made a DVD of uh, you know Fulham, uh, the Brentford two, Fulham one. But I mean, I thought to be fair, first half I thought, oh, I mean, like I said, we did have a good little run coming into that game, and we were probably the favourites. Like you said, you were probably a bit nervous, but I, the first half didn't really, I weren't really too impressed. I mean, then Hugo scored, and I thought, right, that'd do. I, I'll settle for a one 0 win, and then um. Yeah, last 10 minutes, wasn't it? It all seemed to have gone a bit funny. Yeah, we we, de- we definitely threw it at you. And that's, uh, again, that's uh, Mark Warburton's way. You know, one, one, all, one all and he still brings Stryker on to make sure that we go for the win, which is interesting. But just coming back to your team, though, because obviously you're in the Prem, got lots of money, parachute money. And, you know, you, you sign players like Ross McCormack, 11 mil. Um, and you've got Rod Lager. I mean, you've got you've got some decent. I'll be honest, you've got some decent players in your side, and it, it is a little bit perplexing as to how it hasn't quite come together. Uh, you know, what, uh, could you explain? Uh, it's one of them things where you know football's a game of two halves. I mean, and our first half game has always been, or uh, sorry, our second half game has not always been as good as it should be in the first half. I mean, there's so many games where we've been. You know, absolutely taking the piss out of teams in the first half. You know, winning them, and then we'll end up losing the first, uh, the second half. Sorry, I mean it's just been it's been the tale of the season. I mean, like you said, you look at the you look at the squad we got, and we shouldn't be where we are. You know, but the table doesn't lie, does it? I mean, it's that that cliche of a saying. You know, you're there for a reason. I mean, with McCormack, I, he started off a bit a bit slow and then he started firing on all cylinders you know he sets up a lot of goals and his work rate you know for a I know like you watch the championship highlights he doesn't show his runs off the ball and he's uh, you know he's always looking to try and create space and like I said I think next season he would be one of the players to watch and obviously Woodrow Corley Woodrow he's been you know put in the deep end and he's done really really well and I, I like the lad Interesting, because you know I have to ask the question though again, because you, you, again we talk about these big price tags, these big wages, which has obviously put Fulham financially in trouble, which you know which means that they've got to end up giving up you know teams like us six thousand tickets to come to your ground, which you know I, you know I question that theory, but sometimes financially they have to make these decisions. Okay, and you come down off the, from the Premier League, you come down uh, to the Championship. Yeah. Do you think that sometimes you just maybe you know make some moves which are not quite the right moves? When I say that, it's like you know like. Bournemouth get Callum Wilson, right? Mm. Three million. Um, yeah. A phobie for Wolves, two million. You know, yeah, uh, even yeah. us, we get Andre Gray for five hundred thousand. And you know, do you think that you know sometimes you just you might have money in the bag and you don't necessarily spend it the right way? It's one of them things, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's yeah. You never know how the player's going to act or react in, in the sort of club like Fulham. I mean, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I think we got rid of a a lot of good players when we went down and uh, Stockdale was good, Sidwell, you know, for me, I really wanted to keep Sidwell. I think he was brilliant in midfield and he was a, he was a real leader at Hangerland. I mean, we did lack a lot or we missed and lost a lot of good players that had promise. For instance, we could all say Fernando Torres when he was at Liverpool, you know, he, he was scoring goals galore, wasn't he? And uh, then he went to Chelsea and it just didn't happen, did it? No. You know, you, you you never know like what's going to happen. I mean, some, we probably did panic buy sometimes. I think because we had the money, we were sort of flashing it a bit. But I mean, 
that's full of miss, isn't it? I mean, we bought a player called Steve Martlett once before. We paid twelve million for, I think, and uh, he didn't live up to the potential that you know the twelve million price tag. I mean, also we bought a bloke called Matroglu, who we all we all thought he was going to be our saviour, and I think he played thirty minutes last season in the Premier League. You know, so it's I think twelve million is the sort of price tag Fulham of we just use it now because we know we've got it and we we put it out there. I mean. I've I've told Kit I can do a shift up front if he wants me. I mean I I'll be happy to play for a, a grand a week or something. But I'm still waiting for the call up. <laughs> yeah, I bet, yeah. So listen, Friday is a big match. As I said, you've been ever so kind as to give us six thousand tickets and uh we're using those tickets very nicely. I mean, I'm not being funny, but there's there's gonna be faces at Brentford that I've never I haven't seen before for fifteen odd years down there without a shadow of a doubt. I think every one of their dogs coming out for this one. Um yeah. you know, oh, yeah, mate, this is this is the big one for that, like, you know. Um but well, you know, I'll just say that with Orient, they gave us quarter of their ground last season. When we played them, it was a big promotion match, and they just said, "There you go, Here you go. you're going to have one side of the ground." So they gave us quarter of the ground, and we literally took the place over, and uh, we sang them off the park all the whole game and beat them one nil. And uh, they regretted it big time because you know, obviously, see where they are now. Do you think Fulham have done the right thing to give us that amount of tickets? Oh, of course. I think we're done. I think it's like a bit of charity which we've done. I mean, it's it's not often you go to a nice ground and lap it up. So I think it's it's quite kind for what Fulham have done to our little local neighbours around the corner. I mean, it's like I said, it's a nice atmosphere. It's a nice place. It's like the posher part of London. So I think you're you'd probably be out of your depth a lot of you. I don't really know. No, I think it's brilliant. I think it, it just sets it up for a good atmosphere, really, doesn't it? I mean, it's a local West London, or it's a local derby, so to speak. It's good to have a good atmosphere. I mean, that's what a, that's what football's all about, is to have that good atmosphere and to get a... Hopefully, it will be a good game, which I, I hope Fulham end up taking the points. I tell you, with that, the whole ground packed, I mean, there's nothing... There's no other ground like it for me. I just love the whole atmosphere of the cottage. You know, that's what sort of got me hooked at a young age, yes. was the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. But we yeah. didn't have... We didn't have seats in them days. It was just obviously the stand. And then sometimes it can be a bit quiet. But when it's rocking, like, for instance, when we played Hamburg and Juventus, teams you probably never played before in your life. But I just thought I'd put that one out there. In no, our sorry. European, in our European, you know, our run we had. I don't know if you remember that. Were you watching it? When we had no, we, European no, no, we, no, we like to look forward, not look back. But um. Oh, OK. No, fair <laughs> enough. I've, I've got the DVD. I'll send it to you if you want it. But I've seen no. the atmosphere was electric. I mean... I've never seen scenes like it. And, I mean, this season, I think maybe some games we've lacked an atmosphere. But um, I think Friday will probably be the best one we've had all season. I think I think so, too. And, like I said, many bees hark back to it. I know it's a while back, but to the big 4-0 win at Griffin Park in 92. Uh, the last time that we actually were en route to Division 1, which is now the championship as well. So, basically, that 4-0 win basically marked us getting to that next level. Um and like I said, most these games are Fulham games to say are livelier than most. But is it the same for Fulham fans as it is for us, uh, or, or is it more Chelsea QPR? I don't know. I mean, for me, I've always hated playing Chelsea. I mean, let me. I, use, I don't use hate as with um, a passion. I mean, like I've always. Let me rephrase that. I've always loved playing against the Chelsea's and your QPRs. For me, that is like I wouldn't say it's a cup final, but for us, that's that's brilliant. We've always wanted to try and beat Chelsea, and for us, QPR. They think they're the you know the bigger team than us, and when we smashed them six 0 at the cottage, it was just unbelievable for me. That was one of the best local derbies I've ever been to. It was just unbelievable. We did everything right. In return of Brentford, I mean, it's I don't really know. I mean, 
it was sort of all quiet, wasn't it, when we were in the Premier League? We didn't really hear much of one another. And then when we went down and you went up and you made this um, the little song you did, I mean, wow. Yeah. Beat up, yeah. full them down. You had to put that one in there, didn't you? That was, Beat um, up, full them down. <laughs> it just got annoying. And then I thought, oh, where's this team been all of a sudden? I mean, I thought they were playing Sunday League football. I mean, I completely forgot about them. And then when they piped up a bit, I thought, oh, yeah, they just ran the corner. I mean, But to be, to be... To be fair, when you when you played in the Europa Cup final, and you played what Atletico Madrid and their red and white stripes. You did sing "Are You Brentford in Disguise," though. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. Game coming Saturday, Friday. Give us a quick rundown. Who should we be looking out for? Just give us a sort of thirty seconds of the players who we look out for. I'll give you a little rundown of the B's players to look out for. I'm going to give you two players to look out for. Okay. One is going to be for me, Bettinelli. I mean, this bloke, I can't. I've only got 30 seconds, but I think he's amazing. He's he's been like a brick rule this whole season. Also, I'm going to say Stefan Fafana, who we've okay. got on loan from Manchester City. All I right. think he's an absolute unit, and he's been he scored a good goal the other week ago against Huddersfield away. And I just think he is going to be a good player for us, and I think you should watch out for him. And hopefully McCormack and Smith, if they're uh, fit enough. Okay, and from from the Brentford point of view, I mean, all the team, the midfield always runs through the midfield for us. Our midfield, if they own their passing game, like they weren't particularly in the first half against Fulham, they're just on it. But obviously, you know about Pritchard, who's the, the Spurs loaner we've got, who's been on fire. He's just come back from England under 20 duty, under 21 duty. And uh, Stuart Dallas has just come from Northern Ireland duty as well. We just got him from some little team in Ireland, and they've really come up on themselves recently as well. Then obviously, um, Hotter, who scored the goal against you as well, Fantastic player when he's on the money. He scored an absolutely brilliant goal against Blackburn uh, a couple of weeks ago. Go and dig it out. He just took the ball from 70 yards into his own half and just ran with it all the way, scored a goal. And obviously, um, Gray. If Gray's on the money as well up front, he's just a tricky player. And if he doesn't score, you'll bring him down just outside the area. So that's who to look out for. So anyway, got to ask you one last question, Ben. School yeah. prediction, what do you reckon? My heart says 6-0 and my head says 7, so I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, no, in honest truth, I think um, I think it's going to be very tight. I think there's going to be goals, so I'm going to say I'm going to say three two to Fulham, and I'm I'm going to say Woodrow's going to get the uh, get the winner in the I'm going to say the 85th minute or something. Just going to put it out there. Okay, wicked. Look, this is great to chat to you, Ben. And listen, Ben, tell people out there how they're going to be able to get hold of you both online and on the road over the next few weeks. I know you're doing gigs all over the place, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I'm all over the place, really. I mean, I'm going up to France soon to be in a competition. I've got a few. uh, I'm always in London filming. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of gigs. Also, the DJ sets. I do a lot of Northern Soul sets and everything. I mean, on Twitter at Taylor Mod and of course the website www.themagicmod.com I mean um, you can always find out what I'm doing up there as long as you don't wear your Brentford shirts or something like that or bring a flag you know I mean I can give you a couple of Fulham scarves to wear if you want to if you come to a gig but I mean yeah it's uh, <laughs> more the merrier <laughs> okay we can cool then so, and, and hopefully on Friday we're going to catch up with you as we get off our boat uh, rather merrily in off of Putney and uh, maybe you might give us a couple of trips on the old besotted video on Friday before the match yeah, I mean, I look forward to it. Um, sounds good to me. Hope you enjoy your uh, your stay at Fulham, and hopefully you don't take three points with you. Well, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We do take the three points, and I have to say that this time. Normally, I'm quite diplomatic, but I have to say it. I really want to win this one. But Ben, it's been really great chatting to you, mate. No, it's been a pleasure. I uh, thank you for having me on uh, on your show, and hopefully, I wish you all the best. Just not 
at this present time and you know, let's see what happens. <laughs> Wicked. I love it. Wicked. Take care. Cheers. Take care. Thanks very much. So that was Ben, the magic mod, the Fulham magic mod, who reckons that he's going to be able to magic a little magic around Fulham to ensure they don't get relegated this season. But big game on Friday. So let's have a little quick chat about this game on Friday, lads. What do you reckon? I mean, the fact is that they've got some wicked players. They've got Roddy Lager. They've got, you know, £11 million, as we talked about earlier, Mr Ross McCormack. In principle, Fulham shouldn't be where they are, but they are. Is this going to make any difference on Friday? Um, well, I'm, I'm going to speak because I am probably the pessimist in, in, in the group. I have a natural propensity to think we're always going to lose, even when we shouldn't. I, I, yeah, definitely Fulham shouldn't be where they are with the players they've got. Um, whether they... I mean, the home game against them, I, I thought we... They were very lucky to get their goal and we were all over them. And I had a horrible feeling in my pessimistic way that it was going to be a 1-0 smash and grab. Um, but it wasn't, much to our amusement and joy. Um, so I, And it's a local derby, so I'm kind of thinking... I, in my head, I'm thinking a draw will be OK. But pessimistically, I'm, I always think we're going to lose. That's the truth of the matter. And the truth of the matter in, in my head is that I'm hoping and I'm still remembering how we were when we played them last, and we aren't quite that same team. We are a lot more knackered, and we are a lot less, I would say. Um, what's the right word? When We're not quite as effective. Um, it's not quite jelly. It's not, no, it isn't. I wouldn't say the wheels have come off, but that we are a slightly subdued version of the of the of the Brentford that played at Leeds and Cardiff, and where where we just went there and we absolutely took the Mickey. To be honest, we we, we do what you want to us because we're going to go at the other end and we're going to outscore you because we are Brentford and we'll if we're going to lose, we're going to lose trying to win. Um, it, I just hope that we can come out of this international break and people like Gray have recharged their batteries. I'm not, it's, it's, like, it's really made me laugh earlier when Marcus mentioned the Matrix. Um, um, and Andre Gray is one of those players. He, he's another Matrix player. He seems to be bent backwards in half the whole time, warding off defenders. He seems to be permanently at 90 degrees trying to, trying to wrestle people. But we, we, need to get, we need to play him in. We need, we need to get him behind the back four. We need, we need to get him striking the ball at a goal. Um, we need to create chances. We're going to miss a few. Or we're going to score a few. We need to be, we need to be fearless. Um, and if it's a fearless Brentford that, go, that turns up at Craven Cottage, I think we're going to win. Um, if it's an edgy Brentford, um, and uh, as we saw against Cardiff and we saw against Millwall, I fear the worst. Um, I, I, we've, got, we've got Wolves and we've got Ipswich breathing down our necks or, or having overtaken us. You know, I, I just, I just really want us to go there and just be the Brentford we were before Warburton Gate. If we, if we can be that Brentford, we will win. If not, I don't know. Yeah, I think. Sorry, just to add another bit. I think that's the key thing. We've got to go there and play like it, like it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it matters a lot for different reasons, but we've got to go for it. Going, if, we, if we're going to win this, we're going to win this four three. We're just going to go for it and batter them and hope that it pays off and not worry about the fact that it's a local, a local derby and not worry about the fact that it's an important game in the running towards the end of the season. Yeah, we just got to go for it. Let's go there and do it. This has been a game 
you, you know, you've seen the beast. You've seen the bees previous to this, and yeah. you know you've been chatting about that. And you're saying, listen, you know, they just need to go in this game and do their thing. But listen, realistically, it's seven games to go, and we're all a little bit nervous now, <laughs> and they can get a little bit nervous. I mean, what do you, what do you think? I mean, I think that the away form, especially at Craven Cottage over the years, that should kick into an effect um, and give the players confidence that they know that. They've got results there in the past. Um, they can they can recall that sort of strength and that sort of knowledge that the form over there is pretty good. Um, and the, the other side of it, Fulham know that as well. They know Brentford are a tasty side away from home. Um, not just at Craven Cottage, but all over the country this season that they've played well away from home. So they'll 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 understand that Brentford have got to go for it. There will be gaps in the games where you know counter-attack situations might appear and chances may be taken. Um, I'm hoping Brentford will go there, especially after this break, refreshed. Um, you mentioned Andre Gray. Um, his style of play is crucial for for Brentford. Um, but his game's an expensive game of energy as well. I think the Watford game I saw um, was at February, um, you could see that he was, he was clearly shattered. And I thought he, he should have come off anyway, but that's not me being the manager, but that's just me looking at a centre-forward playing that lone role. It's a very tough role, and you need him on form and refreshed to really push in for that playoffs. And if he can get through these two games over the Easter period, then Brentford have a much better chance, um, along with all the others. But it's a tough one to call, but I'm, I'm sure Brentford will, will get the three points on the Friday. Um, recover, which is important for the Monday Monday afternoon game, and then go full steam ahead. Got nothing to hold back on now. Seven games. The players, yes, you can feel physically tired, but that that depends on your mental state of mind. And if if the staff tap into the mental side um, and the mental strength of the players, they'll fly through the, the last seven games. Um, no problem. It's just a state of mind, and um, you know I've been in that position myself where you might have played maybe forty games at this stage of the season or, or more, and you think I've got another seven. Can I do that? You're, you're doubting yourself, but you can. You're only limited by your thinking. And if Brentford think that they can be promoted as a as a squad and the club, Brentford will be promoted, no doubt. You know what I think? I think we should, and I'm, I'm sort of because I think we're under pressure. We feel under pressure a little bit. I would stop looking at the league table and just play every game as a game and just look at, let's look at it at the end of the season. Let's not worry about it too much and just go into every game, treat it as a, you know, as its own game and go out there and, um, you know, fearless, do what we can. Well, the last away game I saw was at Blackburn and we beat Blackburn 3-2. Blackburn are a decent team. We did a good performance. We scored, came from behind twice. I reckon we can do the same on Friday. I'm going to say 2-1 Brentford. Um, I'm going to go with my heart and um, I'm going to say 3-1 Brentford. Um, my head sort of says something a bit different, but my heart <laughs> says 3-1 Brentford. And, I, you know, it's Fulham. 3-1 Brentford. Right, I'm going to I'm gonna do this for pure jinx factor because last time we all went unanimous Brentford when we got, um, we got beaten. So yeah. I'm going to say a 2-2 draw. But I'm probably going to bet on a three-two Brentford win. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's goals in this. I, I think um, 
Fulham can probably relax a little bit. They're, they're not going down, unfortunately. Um, and um, we the pressure's on us, I'd say. And I, I think I think there's goals in their team, um, and there's, there's goals there's goals hopefully in ours. So um, I, I think if, if, if you're going to hold me to this, I say it's a two-two draw. But my money's going on three-two win. Um, I said earlier like, I was a pessimist, so I'm going to say. I think there's a lot of goals. I think there's goals in this game, though. I think there will be goals. So I'm going to go for 3-2 to Fulham. 3-2 to Fulham. Interesting. Marcus Gale. I'm going for a 2-1 Brentford win. Oh. I feel Harley Dean's playing. He'll go and put his nut on one. I think it's a game where a dominant centre-half will score. Um, and then probably Jota. With a winner, yeah, that silky left foot. I think he'll come come up trumps with a winner, or vice versa. But two one Brentford. I'm going for even Stevens one all. Bit nervous. I have to admit, I'm a bit nervous about this game, um, and I think that Fulham pressure is kind of off them a little bit. But we never know. If we get, if we walk into that stadium and it is absolutely rocking, and they don't get an early goal, then it could be different. But I'm going to go for the one all. Bill, we've got six thousand Brentford there plus. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. This is absolutely, definitely going to happen. Tumani is going to score. And (laughs) there'll be 6,000 Brentford on the pitch. That'll be quite worrying. If if, if Tumani scores and we're on the pitch, Tumani scores and we're on the pitch, then I'm not sure how they're going to deal with that because we've asked for the dispensation just in case (laughs) Tumani scores. I don't know if you know about this one, um, um, Marcus, but that is the chant that we've been singing for the last two years because obviously Tumani doesn't score very often. And every time he gets the ball, even if it's like on, on his own penalty area, we ask him to shoot because mm. we want him to score. And uh, <laughs> it's written in the stars that Tumani is going to yeah. score. And this is a bit like Claude Macaulay when they won the title, didn't they? That's right. That's right. That's right. On that note, listen, guys, it's been a good little chat, a good little roundup, and it's really got me buzzing for the game of the weekend. I don't know about you. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to Mr. Marcus Gale. Here, 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 here. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely, absolute legend. You, yeah. you, you are, you are, and deserve a place in Brentford folklore for That's many right. reasons. That's Ray. right, Marcus. And it's been, no it's singing, been no singing. It's not after night. No, 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 no. You know what we mean. That's right. So it's been a great to talking to Marcus Gale today. He's given us a lot of insights and professional side of the game. The things that we don't know anything about. We're just fans, and we just like go, oh, kick the ball up. But he's given us a little insight into that. He thinks the bees are going to win. He thinks the bees are going to get to the playoffs as well, which is great. I'm Billy Grant, and I'll be here with Mr. Dave Lane. I'll be here with Mr. Matt Allard. I'm here with the Lockster. I'm here with Mick, Nick Carfew and Marcus Gale. Check us out, besotted.co.uk. Check us out on Audio Boom, Besotted, and also on iTunes, Besotted, and also check our videos in Besotted 1992. We are absolutely excited. We're going to be sailing down the river to Fulham. And fingers crossed, we're going to win. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. You bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.